Georgia? No. Do you? Oh, no. How hard oh, can it God. be? Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today we're going to be talking about the Hagerstown Flying Boxcars who play in Hagerstown, Maryland. They're an independent team. I'll be talking later on in this episode with Sky Dillon of Sky Design Studios. And of course, Dan Simon will be here with one of his studio, Simon Stumpers. Right now, I am so pleased to be speaking with Chuck Domino, who has been involved with so many baseball teams, but he served as the principal consultant for the Hagerstown Flying Boxcars and was intimately involved in the in the process, uh, served as one of the main points of, of contact on this, uh, the whole process of, of naming the team and coming up with this brand and working with Sky Dillon, the designer, who I'll be speaking with later on in this episode. Chuck, good morning. How are you doing? Morning, Paul. Glad to be with you. This Flying Boxcars brand has really been well-received. This has been fun to see out there in the world. It's new this off-season, so they haven't yet taken the field. It's a it's a really fun name, and it's a, a interesting tie to the history of, of Hagerstown, Maryland. Can you tell me where that, that name comes from, and what does it mean? Okay, well, we ran a uh, contest like a lot of times we do when we're uh, you know, searching for a new name to see if the uh, public would come up with an interesting name, and they usually do. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of names I've been involved with have come from the public. Uh, this particular name was kind of uh, on our short list before we even went to the uh, public vote, uh, asking for suggestions. Uh, we we thought flying box cars. We knew it would be entered, you know, quite a few times. Um, you know, they were the Hagerstown Suns, a very generic name. Uh, there's the Phoenix Suns. There was the Jacksonville Suns baseball team for a long time. Um, no one really knew. I didn't know what the, the uh, derivation of uh, Suns were for Hagerstown. It certainly isn't a Florida city. And <laughs> I've been there for a few months and uh, I haven't seen the sun a whole lot in this, uh, this, this winter. So I didn't really understand that one. So we wanted to come up with something very uh, unique to the Hagerstown area. And in the uh, 1950s, the Fairchild Company was producing an airplane that uh, was called the Flying Boxcar. And it was a, a plane that was uh, used to transport supplies and troops and mainly was deployed in the Korean War. But uh, over, or I think over 1,300, close to 1,500 of these Flying Boxcars were produced in Hagerstown uh, for the benefit of the entire country. So it has a lot of history, a lot of unique history to Hagerstown. And I think it really tapped in to the uh, aviation industry and history of Hagerstown. And they do have an aviation museum here where they have a couple of, of uh, different style of boxcars that are displayed there. And um, we actually did our, our launch and announcement revealing the new name from the back of a of an actual boxcar plane that we backed into a hangar and opened the clamshell of the back of the boxcar and there we were on a podium uh, announcing the name of the team. So it's had a nice tie in. Uh, you know, a lot of people not familiar with Hagerstown, not familiar with the history, you know, scratch their heads and ask what it is. And that's and I think that's what's good about a unique name. 
when you have to, when people scratch their heads, they say, I like it, but what does it mean? What, you know, what's the tie to Hagerstown? And then you explain and then people light bulb goes off and they go, oh, that's perfect. We love that name. Well, so that was definitely true for for me, right? I mean, I saw the the logos and I, you know, did a, a an article about it for sportslogos.net and I had to go research it, you know, for for me it was okay, what is the connection between this, you know, obviously a military plane and and this place. You said it was from the 50s, uh, you know, I discovered in in the course of research there that there were about 10,000 uh, people in Hagerstown employed by by Fairchild. Still that's 75 years ago, right? And you said that you got this suggestion a lot from from the community of the flying boxcars. So even though it was a long time ago that they stopped producing these here in town, still very much a part of that Hagerstown community. Why do you think that is that this particular airplane, you know, that hasn't been produced for 75 years is still so much part of the psyche of this town? Well, I think it's, you know, we're talking second, third generations now. And, and, you know, they, they probably have, you know, a picture of a flying boxcar or a model plane of the flying boxcar somewhere in their home uh, from when dad and granddad and great granddad worked at the Fairchild factory. And it's just kind of, you know, matriculated down through generations, people talking about the flying boxcar. Um, it's just really, you know, it, it, Paul, you know, I, I had no idea when I moved to Hagerstown anything about the flying boxcar myself. Yeah. But uh I thought I was, a, when I first heard it, just like a lot of good minor league names, you like, you, you pause a little bit and say, you know, is that going to work? And then the more you hear it, the more you put Hagerstown in front of it, and then you couple it with the history and the passion of the town, uh, then it all, you know, kind of, you know, ma makes sense. But uh, yeah, I think it's just, you know, more or less kind of a generational thing hand, handed down from generation to generation. And, and that name is, has been in people's minds for years. Even the young people might not have really known the history, heard the name probably, uh, didn't even know the, like the history of the plane. They knew it was a plane, mm -hmm. but they didn't know exactly what kind of plane it was. Mm -hmm. And it, just like I didn't when I first, then I started you know, researching and looking at it. It's a plane that was actually a, a large box where they were able to, to put in like a, a, a trailer, like back right in a trailer of supplies right into the back of the plane and, and take off uh, and then drop these supplies, you know, all over the, you know, all over different nations where they were uh, doing, doing battle, unfortunately, but it was a, it was a great piece of history, not just for Hagerstown. I mean, it, it was great piece of history for Hagerstown, but it was servicing the entire country. So as I mentioned in the, uh, intro you've worked with uh, with a number of teams uh, on on their brands and you know minor league baseball being what it is a lot of those have been sort of character based like really fun sort of cartoony you know I, i've used the word wacky sometimes you know because it's, it's i you know and i love this part of minor league baseball this is a more serious brand it still has a character it's got this pilot but he's you know this this sort of muscular this muscular sort of chiseled jaw guy and he's on an airplane. It's, it's, it's definitely not wacky. It's a more serious brand. Was there something about either this brand or this community that, that led you to say, okay, for, for this team an independent team in the Atlantic league, we're going to go with a more sort of serious approach rather than with some of these, you know, really sort of, uh, you know, fun cartoony yeah. brands that we've done with other teams. Well, we started going down and when you start this process and, you know, we, uh, we use Sky Dillon, uh, Sky Designs for this specific logo. And, you know, he, 
we started down a couple different paths. And, you know, one of the first paths was the actual plane being a cartoonish looking plane where the, the, the plane was like a personification sure. of a, of a pilot, the actual yeah. plane itself. Mm -hmm. But it was too much along the lines of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, we wanted to differentiate ourselves. And um, then we went to just, just a box car, just the plane itself with, with no character in the plane. Mm -hmm. And then we thought that was too stagnant, almost too serious. Mm -hmm. So we kind of merged the two and put it decided to put the pilot inside the plane kind of an oversized pilot he he himself is almost as big as the plane itself and he's sitting in the plane ab above it and he has a bat over his shoulder and we wanted to kind of be serious but also be a little comical in the sense that he's an oversized pilot and you know he's sitting in the plane he's above the plane but it looks like he's we wanted to portray the image it looks like he's flying to work flying to the stadium He's ready to land this box car right on the field, jump out and play ball. And that's kind of, you know, the, the behind the scenes uh, reasoning with, with the logo, whether people immediately make that connection, but that's what we were thinking when we decided on the final logo. And is there a different approach for you? I mentioned that this is an independent team in the Atlantic League. Is the approach different for you with a team like Hagerstown and this this new brand versus, you know, an affiliated team that's maybe, you know, changing its name after a certain number of years? Does does the fact that it's an independent team change your approach to the to, the, to this process? Well, I would say this. It, it if you asked me this question 5 years ago, um or, you know, before COVID, before Major League Baseball, uh, kind of took minor league baseball under its umbrella. Mm -hmm. um, I would say it's exactly the same. You know, mm -hmm. you, you just kind of, you know, whatever whatever sticks to the wall, so to speak. You know, it lets the, cr the crazier the better if it if it works. Uh, you know, no restrictions, and and that's kind of where we are now. Now, the difference now with affiliated baseball under the major league baseball umbrella. You're, you're really, you have to, they have to approve everything. Mm -hmm. And I think the days of the crazy, you know, trash pandas, yard goats, rubber ducks, flying squirrels, all the, the names that I was involved with in affiliated baseball, I think those days might be over now mm -hmm. that Major League Baseball is kind of, you know, some some got a little out of, out of hand, I think, and, and Major League Baseball, like, for, for a while there, the pizza rats were being considered in Staten Island, if you remember. Oh, for and sure. I think I, I, and I can't say for sure that that was the moment Major League Baseball said, <laughs> wait a second, this is going a little too far. You know, we, can't, we don't want our New York Yankees uh, affiliate to be called the pizza rats. Uh, I can't say that was for sure, but yeah. I, I, for some reason, I remember that being kind of the moment where Major League Baseball decided to draw the line and said, you know, we need more input into this. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I think now with independent baseball, there's going to be more freedom. Uh, you know, we were not going to be policed, so you know, so to speak. And um, and I and so it was the same approach I've always had. But if I did a name now for an affiliated team, I think it would be a lot more restrictive. Boy, that's really interesting to hear you say that because I think a lot of people. 
a lot of fans of of this industry and in particular of you know minor league baseball branding have been wondering that, especially since minor league baseball put out the new minor league baseball logo that looks so similar to the major league baseball logo for the for the whole league itself. So it's very interesting to hear hear you say that. I'm glad we have independent baseball for the the fun wacky branding still because that's you know that's I, I, it's so yeah. much fun. This brand, uh, you know, you mentioned some of the different directions you were talking about going, and you talked about having a you know a, a logo maybe that didn't have the character, and you know that I, I enjoyed hearing that process. What's the thinking in in having a number of different marks versus having just sort of a more compact uh, brand identity? You know, I often get asked that question, Paul, and and you know my my simple answer is if everybody liked uh, chocolate and vanilla ice cream, uh, there wouldn't be Baskin and Robbins. So <laughs> you know, you, everybody likes you know different a different look, different different colors for different people, different logos. Um, this particular brand, though, kind of it's 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 a it's a flying boxcar plane. Mm -hmm. It also you can't fly a plane without a pilot. Um, the plane itself was was manufactured in Hagerstown, so you you have their wrenches and you got you know we wanted we wanted one logo that really you know kind of captured the fact that it was manufactured here. Um, it you know just didn't fly through town. It was made you know here. Uh, so you you have a lot of different aspects to this plane, like I just mentioned, and also you know. People, the troops parachuted, you know, they, they'd put 30 troops in the back of this plane and they would parachute out, you know, into the zone that they needed to be in during the Korean War. And um, so we had the, you know, the parachute. So we wanted to capture like the whole essence of the boxcar. It just wasn't made here. It was flown by somebody. It, it We, you know, troops, you know, you know, jumped out of the back of it in parachutes. And you you like to have a sleeve a sleeve emblem and the, and the parachute we're using as a sleeve emblem. By the way, we will be revealing the uh, uniforms uh, come uh, March, sometime in March, we're gonna be re revealing four different uniforms. We'll oh, be great. having a, the home white, the road gray, a uh, Sunday uniform and a batting practice uniform. And uh, we'll be you know kind of capturing featuring all all this suite of logos as you say that would match up a, a particular style uniform with a particular hat would match up color wise and image wise so you know it gives you that ability when you have multiple logos of course not only to sell m multiple merchandise but have a, a different look on the field which also helps sell that merchandise okay one last question and i'll uh, get you out of here you said that the the unveiling happened at the Aviation Museum and that you got to actually experience this this airplane itself. You've described the the size of it, you know, being able to back a a trailer into it. I'm curious just from your personal experience actually being inside one of these things. What was that what was that like for you to to experience the airplane itself and just the scale and the the history of it in that place? You know, you know, Paul, my first reaction when I got on that plane was, how did they get this thing in the air? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're talking, you know, 1950s, you know, design and, and you know, an old wooden floor in it and this, 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 this big shell and, and this double, this, it had, it had to have like a, a double wing. So the fuselage was, you know, was was open to be able to back something into it then you you look at that and and then you think 
now they're going to put this tractor of all this, you know, how did this thing, how did this thing get airborne and how did it stay <laughs> airborne? You know, it, it's just, it's a very unique, and I say this with respect and admiration, it's a big clunky looking uh, plane that, that is so unique that I've, you know, I've never seen a plane that quite looks like this plane, but uh, it really you know, you, you stepped on this plane and, and you really felt like you stepped back into the 1950s. That's awesome. That's amazing. I, I, I was in a way hoping that that was going to be your answer because it's absolutely that comes through in the logo. It comes through in the photos of the plane that you see. And it's uh, it, it does look like an amazing piece of history right there. So, yeah. Chuck, thank you so much. Yeah. This is so yeah, much fun to talk about this brand. Uh, where can people find you? Where can people find the team on, on, online, social media, et cetera? Well, www.hagerstownflyingboxcars.com is the uh, the website. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I can't even speak of all the different ways to find us on social media. We're all over social media. So, you know, every every social media you can think of. But that's not my expertise. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, thank you so much. It's been okay. a pleasure to talk to you all again. Right. And I, I look forward to okay. talking to you again about one of the many teams that you work with. Yeah. All right, Paul. Good talking to you. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, everyone, welcome back. I'm so pleased to welcome back to the podcast, Sky Dillon of Sky Design. Sky, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Paul. How are you? I am doing very well. So excited to be talking about this fun new brand that you came up with. You shared some of the original concepts that you worked with along the way. So there's a lot to talk about in this brand. Now, this was really well received when it when it first dropped just earlier this offseason. This, this is a new one for us to be talking about. But uh, I'll just ask you, in general... What were you charged with? What were the challenges when when the team came to you and said, "Okay, we're we're the Hagerstown Flying Boxcars"? Yeah, well, I mean, just starting there, the fact that they already had the name nailed down really kind of streamlined the process for us. Uh, authentic inspiration born from Hagerstown with uh, the fair. There's a uh, an old factory called the Fairchild uh, Aviation Factory, so known for building military planes. Uh, over their over their history and so that was kind of the natural inspiration for for the nickname obviously minor league baseball something fun maybe a little bit quirky never been done before so flying boxcars kind of uh checks that box so when when the team approached us they they kind of wanted to to toe that line between something that was really fan friendly and and fun and and played into that really over the top name but at the same time, being able to flex to a more of a regal state when when necessary. So the idea of having a some kind of a, a logo system that that could be dynamic like that was was our first first order of business. You know, it's it's interesting. I think in minor league baseball, I feel like it's harder to make a human being into a sort of cartoony character than it is an animal. Uh, like I said, you shared some of your initial concepts and some of the the initial work that you did in the the, the early design phase involved uh, a, a warthog rather than a human being. Tell me what you were thinking when when you started with an animal and ended up with a person. Yeah, so we, you know, kind of the first first round that we that we that we took at it was more of just kind of sharing loose ideas. So even before the sketch phase, we just kind of brainstormed around the table different different character ideas, different ways that this theme could come to life. So there were some that that resonated and some that were that were no goes. So, for example, the idea of perhaps the Maryland flag pattern playing a role, the calico cat is somewhat, you know, relevant to the region and their pattern 
could have felt like the Maryland flag, but that was one that was immediately axed and, <laughs> and didn't make it further than that first conversation. I thought you were required by law to incorporate the Maryland flag into any Maryland sports team. I, I That's what that. I'm saying. Like, it's just kind of a, a go-to muscle memory for, for a team in Maryland. So, so that, that was shot down. Uh, the, the warthog was on the table right away. Uh, Frank Bolton, one of the, one of the consultants on this project for the ownership group, uh, thought that could be a fun connection to the, the A-10 warthog that was also built by the Fairchild factory back in the day. So there was kind of a connection there. So that was the initial character that we started with. We also looked at perhaps, um, having the airplane itself being the character, but that, didn't last too long when you start looking around. The Aberdeen Ironbirds obviously do a similar approach for their identity, so that didn't really, uh, you know, gain any traction. Yeah. So then the idea of some kind of a vintage uh, aviation pilot that could also kind of represent the uh, the blue collar workers that that built these airplanes back in the day and kind of that spirit of the of the city of Hagerstown, the people themselves. That was that was a way that we could still, uh, again. Uh, interact with with the plane in a fun way without the plane itself being the character and um you know give the mark a unique look and and the plane is is not the character and you can see you know you can see in in some of your early sketches here the the ones where the plane was the character you can see where it does feel like that that iron birds brand but the 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 solution to that was not to have a traditional pilot inside a plane, but rather a pilot on top of the plane, which is, you know, this is this is an enormous plane. I mean, its main feature is that it's this big cavernous open space, basically. Uh, and so to have this, you know, plus plus sized human being on top of this gigantic plane, uh, there's a scale shift happening there that that makes it sort of interesting visually. Was that a challenge to work with? Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, that that basically pushes it into this much more larger than life, uh, you know, place, if you will. It gives it more gravitas. Definitely pushes into that much more of a of a caricatured look. Which you know, anytime we're designing a logo, you're trying to move away from an illustration per se and create something that can feel more like a mark or an icon. And so the the interaction of the pilot, um, you know, you know, interacting with the plane in that in that in that way. Was a way that we could achieve that so you're kind of uh again at, at first glance when you see the mark you're seeing baseball and and the flying box car all represented equally as opposed to one larger than the other there, there's a sort of sensibility about this that that captures a, a previous era and part of it is that the plane is from a previous era but the you know the sort of the helmet and the goggles uh and this this character that you have definitely feel like they're sort of from a from a bygone era and and I'm I'm assuming that's intentional what were what were your design approaches to to capturing that old feeling but making it a contemporary logo yeah it's a that's a great observation i think just thinking about baseball as a sport the romance of baseball you know there's a lot of nostalgia there so you know, in regard to trying to create kind of a timeless character, it made sense to turn back the clock a little bit and and tap into those those uh, the roots from when the plane really was its most relevant in use, which was the World War II era. So finding a character and creating a character that felt like it was, you know, kind of from a time machine back in that particular era seemed to be the most authentic way to approach this. And also, you know, anytime you're dealing with a human mascot, especially nowadays with with, you know, just obviously the number of different um, 
challenges that exist in that regard. You're trying to find something inclusive that represents everyone. And so, you know, almost going to this mythological version of a pilot from those days puts it in more of that, that uh, fictional place as opposed to uh, a modern day interpretation. Well, and I was going to ask you about the, you know, the color choices, the, the metallic plane is the same color as the human being, right? Like, so you've completely removed any question of sort of race and identity in that regard, which I'm sure is a challenge and I'm sure is intentional in, in today's day and age of designing logos. We're obviously always up for a challenge. And that's the beauty of a system is you have multiple marks that can be utilized different ways. So the fact that we have the pilot for certain instances, but we also have the plane by itself, the bats as the as the the side fuselage uh, element, also with the cap mark, the lettering, sleeve patch. There's lots of other marks in the system that complement the pilot for when that's used. When you get away from the plane and the 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 character, the pilot, there are some other marks here, and I know that they are throwing back to their their an homage to some some logos from the factory itself. Uh, you've got one that's a, a couple of of wrenches uh, with a sort of now that I look at it, kind of like a Seattle Pilots uh, mm. <laughs> wings that in there. Kind of classic wing silhouette. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got the letter H with the with the wings on it. What are what were some of the inspirations visually for some of these other marks that uh, you know that that evoke the 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 company itself? Yeah. So you know. So many times the answer is right there in front of you and, it, and you don't have to really overthink things. And so just looking at Fairchild as Fairchild Factory was the the home place of the flying boxcar where it was built. First thing we noticed was their logo of this silhouette of a, of a Pegasus in profile with this really dynamic wing that, that was like, oh, there's something there. There's a lot of energy motion, but it also has a timeless element to it and certainly authentic to, to the region and our audience. So that wing became really a uh, that wing became kind of the the genesis for a lot of these extensions that you see. So it kind of works its way into the system in multiple places. You mentioned the wing to H as the as the starting point, but then carrying that over into all of the lettering with the f- the first letter of each word mark has that same Fairchild wing. The H mark that you mentioned with the wrenches kind of pays tribute to to the factory nature. Again, the interesting dynamic to this piece is that most most of these aviation related identities in sports are more military related mm. in the sense of um, on the offensive <laughs> attacking, uh, whereas this is a cargo plane. So it was meant to deliver, uh, you know, materials and, and supplies to, to troops uh, around, around the globe. So that was an interesting dynamic where we could take a fun spin on it, where it was, again, you're thinking family friendly. It's a much more uh, approachable uh, aspect, if you will. And so uh, in some of those other marks, you'll see, for example, this idea of, well, we got to have it, you know, delivering baseballs with parachutes. I mean, those are some of the most iconic photos that you see when you look up the flying boxcar is these parachute drops that they have with supplies. So that w- that made for a natural sleeve patch was having the uh, the flying boxcar flying by dropping some parachuted baseballs. You've anticipated what my next question was going to be, because I was I, I really, really like this. In fact, I, you know, I try not to rank things, but this one is the one that just jumps out at me. Like if I'm going to buy one of these logos on a shirt or something, I love that that roundel logo that you did with the the plane. And then it's got two parachutes. And when you talk about delivering supplies, 
they're delivering baseballs. Like here comes baseballs to save the day. And so <laughs> that logo in particular is is one that I really like the story that it tells of this old timey plane dropping baseballs to save the day. And I'm picturing little tiny parachutes on on regular sized baseballs there. So right. <laughs> <laughs> again, more scale shift though, right? Like this mm-hmm. enormous plane dropping a parachute and the cargo that it's dropping is a little baseball. And so you know, there's there's a lot of sort of mind bending that's going on when you when you look at the the things you know the either an enormous pilot on a regular sized plane or a tiny plane with a regular sized pilot on it, and now this you know this this parachute drop with the baseballs. I mean that's a really you know effective design technique and and visually really interesting. That must have been fun for you to work with as a, as a designer. It definitely was. When you think about you you had mentioned kind of one of your first questions was about some of the initial exploration that we did and just thinking in terms of that, that unique, you know, element of this, where it is a cargo plane delivering supplies. We looked at a number of different ways that that could be represented. So we had crates with, with wings, we had, you know, crates with, with, uh, with baseballs in them. We had actual box cars with wings on them. So just kind of like doing a full spread of exploration around how that cargo element could be represented. And this felt like the right fit for for the as you as you mentioned for the for the listeners that silhouette of the plane in the distance dropping the parachute of baseballs it kind of was a perfect balance between a, a classic mark but also whimsical enough that it could work in the context of minor league baseball. So I'm looking also at these these word marks, and you mentioned that the 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 wings from the Fairchild uh, Pegasus you know uh, appear in a couple of different word marks with. The H of Hub City and the H of Hagerstown, of course, and then uh, on the F of Flying Boxcars. One of the things that one of the conventions that you use that I that I really like and I haven't seen very much, and and you had an opportunity here with the letter X existing in this script, but the X in a boxcars script that you created reflects the propellers of the airplane, and that's uh, you know introducing type as image into the middle of a word must be a difficult challenge from a design standpoint. Again, we're up for any challenge, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, sometimes there's opportunities where just based on the letters that you're given or the theme that you're given, sometimes there's opportunities that wouldn't have otherwise uh, been there. And in our case, that X was too good to pass up. I mean, just as we were sketching on that, again, anytime you're creating an identity, you're trying to create something that immediately is memorable and, and jumps off the page. And again, knowing that the aesthetic for baseball sort of feels repetitive, you'll see lots of scripts, you'll see lots of block arched fonts. So in a world full of, of baseball scripts and other other uh, lettering that feels very similar in nature, anything you can do to really become ownable and, and distinct is is key. So that's something we're always looking for as we're, as we're exploring is what's something we can push, obviously not too much, but just one little, one little hook within a, within a mark that can really give it that ownable quality. And for us, the X was that perfect way to inject some energy, transforming it into the propeller from the plane and the script itself based on almost like that more, you know, vintage industrial style mono weight script, which ties very well with uh, the new identity for downtown Hagerstown. So one of the first things that the ownership group did with us when we met, met with them was shared this new revitalization branding for the new downtown area or whatnot, kind of this modern vision for what Hagerstown uh, has kind of grown into the last decade or so and where it plans to move into the future. So kind of this 
you know, this marriage of past and present with the, you know, industrial brick buildings all revitalized uh, for these more modern, modern uses. And so kind of capturing that, that, um, that essence with a monoweight script like this felt like it was the right, the right tone, as opposed to something maybe perhaps more like the Kansas City Royals that has more of that tapering nature to it. One of the details about this boxcars script, when you look at the, the mock-up of the home uniform, the center of that X propeller falls right on where a button would be on the uniform. That is a level of detail that is, you know, really pretty remarkable when it, when you actually, you know, look at it. I'm curious to know, you know, that, you know, you mocked that up and, and obviously it looks great in this mock-up. How precise can they be on when they actually manufacture these uniforms? Can they can they do that? Can they put the center of that X right where the button is supposed to be? I mean, now that you now that you told me that that's what's happening there, they they have to be able to find a way to do that. <laughs> Again, it's a gift too good to pass up. I honestly had not noticed that until you just brought that up. But that is that is fascinating. It is fascinating. I thought you know I'm looking at this and I'm thinking. There's going to be one, two, three, four, five <laughs> white buttons and one red button right in the middle of the X of boxcars there. I was <laughs> Gosh, well, I, like I said, I mean, that's too good to pass up now. They got to figure out a way to do that. <laughs> All right. One last question for you. I asked Chuck this question in the previous segment here. Did you get the opportunity to actually go uh, experience the boxcars? I know that you're not in Maryland uh, in your studios. Uh, did you did you get to travel and, and see the actual airplanes? So uh, I, I'm remiss to say that I did not ah. get to see them in person. And and that's something that it was just the nature of the project. It was basically we had a month to, to yeah. do the entire project. It was right in the middle of the summer. We had plans to be in Seattle for the All-Star Game since since we assisted with the branding there uh, collaboratively. And and so just one of those things where, you know, between logistics or whatever, we couldn't make it down to see it in person. But I'm a huge aviation fan over the years. I've I've seen it at different times, but just not during the course of this project. Well, one of the, you know, one of the great things about your line of work is that you get to become an an expert on one thing at a time, right? Like every time you create a brand, you get to become an expert on on certain things. So it must have been fun, especially if you're a, an aviation fan to get to research these box cars and get really into the nitty-gritty and and there's, you know, so much information out there uh, about them now. How how much a part of the process is that for you? Just like getting deep, deep, deep into, you know, the flying box car as as a thing before you're even thinking about the design. Yeah, no, I think that's it's it's kind of like actors, you know, they got to be in in the mindset of the character, immersed in that world, almost, you know, for a long period of time leading up to the actual uh, time where they're they're on screen recording. And for us, it's the same way. Again, our just the nature of what we do, the fact that, you know, different projects have different themes, your every project is different, you know, so to really deliver something unique for each client, it's important to never get complacent, you know, and so our process is is proven in the sense that by always emphasizing that discover phase at the beginning, you're, you're setting aside the time necessary to uncover those gems that inevitably lead to some of these great nuggets throughout the identity that can tie it all together that without investing that time, it's tough to really go deeper than, you know, just kind of what would be expected. And obviously with branding, it's always the unexpected that makes things iconic. 
Well, this brand has so many fun details in it, and it's so much fun to talk about. And I so appreciate you coming on and, and chatting with me about it. Sky, where can everyone find you and all of the uh, all of the work you're doing at all levels of baseball right now? Yeah, so uh, I may have mentioned it before, but we're we're in the process of a site redesign, so it's almost on deck, ready to go. But you can still visit us. Our URL is sdsbranding.com, and uh, on social, we're on Twitter X at sky underscore Dylan. Someday that's going to be Twitter again. I, I This X thing is not meant to last. It's, it's going to be Twitter again. <laughs> Sky, thank you so much. This has been fun. You got it, Paul. Anytime. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so pleased to be joined by my good friend, Dan Simon of Studio Simon. Dan, good morning. It's time for Studio Simon Stumpers. How are you doing? I am fantastic as always, Paul. How are you? Well, I'm I'm good. I've limbered up. I'm I'm ready for Studio Simon Stumpers here. I've tried to get the the brain going, and and you know I'm I'm sort of on my toes, ready to see what angle we're going to be going to approach a stumper about the Hagerstown flying boxcars. Could be airplanes. Could be toasters, because the thing looks like a big toaster. Could be aviation history having to do with wars i don't know could be anything so i'm i'm curious to see where you are going to take us on this studio simon stumper regarding the hagerstown flying boxcars okay well let's fly right into it then <laughs> okay the hagerstown boxcar flying boxcars as has been established previously in this episode are named after a type of uh military aircraft and there have been a number of teams that have been uh, baseball teams and, and in other sports as well that have been named after military aircraft or squadrons. For instance, before moving to Greenville, South Carolina, the drive played in Columbia, South Carolina as the Capital City Bombers, named after the Doolittle Raiders, World War II fighter pilots who, who trained in Columbia, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, also, as detailed in a 2016, in 2016, as part of your story behind the nickname series on sportslogos.net, there is the Lakeland Flying Tigers, whose ballpark Joker Marchant Stadium, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Mm -hmm. Stadium, right? That's how it's pronounced. Stadium, yeah, I'm just like that. You you nailed it. <laughs> nailed it in one. <laughs> um was built on the site of a former airfield that was a training facility for World War II pilots. And uh, the Flying Tigers were a, I believe, a squadron as opposed to a type of, of aircraft. Mm -hmm. um, and also in Surprise, Arizona, which is now the spring training home to the world champion Texas Rangers and the Kansas City Royals, there was a team that played but for one season the 2005 inaugural season of the now defunct independent golden baseball league and that team had such a name so our studio simon stumper today asks what was the name of that team was it a the surprise battlebirds was it b the surprise screaming eagles or c the surprise Fighting Falcons. This is the the league that that you 
as part of a team designed all of the logos for am i right about that that is correct for me and my great friend joe bosack um who has never been on this podcast even though he has done several minor league identities i'll have to we'll go over those at some point and maybe we'll get him on you will idea. get him on that is yeah uh he and i worked that worked on that project together we did all eight of the original teams from their inaugural season in 2005 we did the ninth team the reno silver Sox, the following year then the league expanded and we were not involved in any of the subsequent um, brand identity development there, but did the first nine of those teams. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of like Todd Radom has done all the teams in the big three basketball league. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I've actually been involved in several projects where we've done uh, all the teams in one league. As a matter of fact, I believe every time I've done that, it's been with with Joe Bosak um, and me collaborating on it, which makes for just a great time doing it, working with Joe and doing all those teams. Um, but we're getting away from. Yeah, from, I wasn't uh, I wasn't trying to uh, kick the can down the road here, but maybe that's a great episode. Maybe just have you and Joe on and we'll the the three of us will talk about that league and those logos. That would be a great episode. So the teams are. To, to revisit, I'm going to do them in reverse order because I remember the second two, the the Fighting Falcons and the Screaming Eagles. And what was the first one? The Surprise Battlebirds. The Surprise Battlebirds. So Fighting Falcons and Battlebirds are both alliterative. Uh, I don't know the answer to this, nor did I Google it while I was uh, attempting to distract you with uh, questions about you and Joe Bosack and the Golden Baseball League. But not having any way to really suss and not being terribly familiar with that league. I was hoping one of them would just jump out and sound familiar to me. I'm going to go screaming Eagles because there was just the faintest hint of recognition. Maybe it's because I am a Philadelphia Eagles fan and I just want that to be the answer, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go screaming Eagles. Uh, you know, I think battle birds or fighting Falcons could have been it too, but, uh, I don't know. I just, there was the slightest hint of, of recognition that registered when you said Screaming Eagles. Okay. Well, I'm not going to tell you whether you're correct or incorrect until mm -hmm. I go through the answer to this uh, question. First of all, so the reason that the, the team in Surprise, Arizona is named after, was named after a military aircraft is because Surprise is located minutes from Luke Air Force Base in Glendale, Arizona. I actually remember trying to get to that ballpark for a spring training game. And we we ended up at that airfield. We ended up all sort of turned around. And uh, the, the GPS directions failed us a little bit. We ended up finding our way because you could see the stadium lights. But uh, that... We, I think we ended up at that airfield trying to find our way to uh, to the parking lot for that that spring training facility. Well, there's another thing we have in common because I too have seen a spring training game in Surprise, Arizona. Um, no chance that it would have been the same game you went to because it was many years ago, back when I lived in Los Angeles. Okay, so Surprise, as I mentioned, is located minutes from Luke Air Force Base. 
Luke Air Force Base is named after a World War I flying ace named Frank Luke Jr., who was a Phoenix native known as the Arizona Balloon Buster. Um, called that because he was um, in World War I, he would, I, I did not even know that this was a thing. He shot down balloons. Now, we're not talking about party balloons. We're talking about, you know, um, the types of balloons that you see at festivals and stuff mm -hmm. uh, used as aircraft. And I, I just can't even imagine a war where balloons were used to, to fight the war. It seems like that would be a relatively easy thing to shoot down, even from the ground, wouldn't you think? I would think that. And for whatever reason, this is a TV show I haven't seen in probably 20 years. But I remember the made-for-TV miniseries V starring Mark Singer, which had alien lizards dressed as people show up pretending to be our friends but really trying to steal our water. Spoiler alert. It ended with a battle scene where we learned how to basically poison our water supply against these lizards. And we were doing it, we human beings. We're doing it with hot air balloons. We sent up a bunch of hot air balloons with this red powder, and they were going to try to shoot us down, but then they realized if they shot us down, then we, they were just spreading this stuff to, to all the water. So when you brought up hot air balloons being used in war, I, of course, went to the TV show V. Okay, which is where naturally anyone would go. <laughs> um, so uh, Frank Luke Jr. was also the first aviator awarded the Medal of Honor. Unfortunately, he died in World War I. Um, but during World War II, Luke Air Force Base was the country's largest fighter training base and earned the nickname Home of the Fighter Pilot. And it is the only F-16 training base in the world. And what is the nickname for F-16 fighter jets? Screaming it Eagle. Fighting Falcon. <laughs> and so that was the name of the uh, the surprise team, the surprise Fighting Falcons. And if mm. anyone looks up that logo, which you can find, that particular logo was done by Joe Bosack. So if you're curious what some of his older work might look like, let's see, that was 2000. We did that in 2004, 20 years ago. Mm. Um, that's some of Joe's work. So um that's that's our stumper for today. Perhaps the subject of a future episode of Baseball by Design. Maybe we'll just get into the Golden Baseball League and and talk with you and Joe, and that'll be the way we get Joe onto this onto this podcast. Director of marketing for the Golden Baseball League at that time was friend of the show Greg Coleman, now the oh, president yeah. of Erie Seawolves. So he would be a, a natural guest as well. I think we should we should book it. Just convene the four of us. It'd be a fun, a fun roundtable to to talk about that Golden Baseball League. Dan, thank you so much. This has been fun as always and informative. And so I, I appreciate uh, you bringing your studio stumper, you bringing your studio stumpers. <laughs> Leave I, all that in. I was say. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, studio Simon stumpers are fun. I appreciate getting to chat with you every single week. And we will see you next week. Well, I appreciate you, Paul. I appreciate all of you listeners. 
and I will see all of you next week as well. Bye-bye. <laughs>